Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Well, 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 it is Tuesday, September the 20th, 2022, apparently, or so they tell us. Well, welcome to Agitators Anonymous. Um, normal service, I suppose, is somewhat being resumed after a hectic few weeks, maybe Maybe you also. Certainly for me, my brain has been a bit all over the place, a bit out to lunch, as it used to say on Lemmy's base. First things first, didn't the new Man of War Interglory Ride and Hail to England remixes and reissues send a shiver up my spine when I listened to them today, this morning in the gym? Um, it is with fear and trepidation that um, I usually will listen to a remix of an old classic album um, considering what Mr. Mustaine did to the Megadeth albums in the uh, 2000s um, changing all those amazing Max Norman drum sounds and replacing all the hits with clicks and compression horrible 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 um, speaking of which before I say that um, some of you are asking me what happened to Joe from Gamma Bomb and Addy from Solstice well god damn it they've all been busy getting older uh, making music, playing a few shows, but we're going to get back into um, having those two on the podcast, on the YouTube, uh, very quickly or very soon, very soon again. I digress. Um, the mere mention of the Megadeth sent me off on a tangent there because this is Tuesday's podcast. It's a little bit more heavy metal, a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit shorter, all those kind of things. Um, but yes, those Manowar issues, God damn it, Into Glory Ride sounds good. Um, it, they're a bit bassier, a bit more boomy. There's some strange stuff like um, you can hear the band speaking in between the songs. Um, I'm really wonder about that because for a long time those albums have been missing from Manowar's Spotify. And um, but there they are. Go and check them out if you're a Manowar hater. Please remember there would be no Bathory, Hammerheart, and Twilight of the Gods probably without Manowar. I mean, you know. Um, a bridge of death is entered the eternal fire there are lyrics from sign of the hammer directly in blood fire death all false prophets and deceivers shall swing from the trees etc etc 
And without any battery, there certainly probably wouldn't be Primordial and Enslaved the same. You can connect all of those nodes in your network, whatever you want to say, etc., etc. So the podcast is still sponsored by MetalBlade.com. Um, you can use the promo code ALAN in North America. And you can get 10% off your order. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, as the numbers do grow exponentially, there is um, certainly an audience out there um, for my waffling, my nonsense, my whatever you want to call it. Um, who knew? Who knew? We are building a, um, a zombie army. I mean, on the ultimate battlefield, I think we might get destroyed by the Garth Brooks um, army, but we certainly can outrun them. If um, the evidence before my eyes last weekend is anything to uh, judge me, I don't know how they fit 80,000 people, even in that stadium. Anyway, that's a totally different uh, discussion, is it not? Right, well, Tuesday's podcast. Um, again, Nanthiango underscore Primordial, Primordial underscore Official, if you want to follow our um, not very exciting adventures over on Instagram, if you want to become a Patreon, there are no tiers because I haven't yet figured it out. But you can go to patreon.com slash Alan Averill. Anyway, it was um, last, let me check my notes here, but it was last Saturday that Primordial played um, a gig that had been postponed in Dublin for three years. And so I just thought I'd talk a little bit about that. As you cannot be helped um, after several decades of playing, um, which seemed to go by in an instant, um, but be gripped with a certain element of nostalgia, especially surrounded by so many old friends. There was Death the Leveler and Morning Beloved playing with us. And as I said from the stage, we feel inextricably linked to Morning Beloved um, from back in the early um, 90s, early to mid 90s. In fact, I even lived in a house with some of them. Maybe I should tell some of those stories from living in a house with Morning Beloved might be more interesting than my nostalgic witterings about three decades of playing in Dublin. I think the first time that Promodial ever played in Dublin was maybe September 1991. And the weird thing about these stories is, as I said them from the stage, and what you do is you look out at the crowd and people don't realise that I can see. I can see you. You see people clearly and you can see people clearly from 1991, from 92, from 93, even from 2001. And it's very odd because you've aged together. Together over the decades, you can see some of the same faces. And it really is quite striking sometimes. And especially when you say from the stage, as I said, as I did, and Kieran often says to me, ah, stop going on about how old the band is. And it is true because it sort of prematurely ages you because we started the band. um, I'm probably going over retreading some ground here and there that you've heard before. Maybe, maybe not. But Kieran and Paul started the band the end of 87. Now, that's not really primordial. They were 12 years old and 14 years old, um, I think, or 13 and 15, respectively, trying to play... Venom, D.O.R.I., um, some old punk covers, Dead Kennedys, that kind of thing, you know, California Uberales, all that kind of thing. So to really say it's the start of Primordial is untrue. And every now and again, I get asked in a question in an interview, so you started the band in 87, which makes me sound like we're all 55, which we certainly are not. But we started young and I joined the band when I was 16, like a week after my 16th birthday. So when I say you know, from the stage, oh, you know, I clearly remember 32 years ago. I mean, you can see some people's face in the crowds. The young people that are there, I mean, I'll talk about that in a moment. There um, obviously is less young people, um, but that's something cultural or social, but I'll get into that. 
But you look at and people go, Jesus Christ, are these guys 55? No, we aren't. We're all between 45 and 50. But um, because we started earlier, it sort of makes you seem even older. You're not quite the elder statesman. I mean, there should be a band who are um, 10 years older than we are, who are still playing um, that we all look up to. Let's say if you were from Italy, a bulldozer or a, something like this, you know, some older band. But there just there isn't. There isn't really an older metal band who've been around forever, uh, even from the mid 80s who we look up to, you know, a cat or like I said, a bulldozer. Or if I stretch my memory, I'd probably be able to think of some English thrash bands, that kind of thing. They don't really exist. They don't really exist in um, the Irish scene. However, it is an interesting and a strange thing and you can't help but fall for a little element of nostalgia. But one thing that was um, which struck me was that um, was the aging of the crowd. What has happened is that because of the insane energy and, um, you know, costs. And the insane costs are simply just having a night out. You get no shows at gigs now. You get 30, 40, 50 people who ha- bought tickets in 2019 before the pandemic who now um, just don't honour those tickets. It's very strange and it's happened as well on the tour. And I think it's happened to all bands who've been playing um, tours over the last six months or nine months that have had rescheduled shows. But what happens is, Ten years ago, I remember we played and we had like Solstice Fear, Grave Miasma, Rotting Christ playing an old school set, all this kind of stuff. It would be impossible now because the flights involved now compared to ten years ago. I mean, I wouldn't even begin to consider what those all those bands would cost would cost to fly in to Ireland. I mean, the cost would be three, four, five times as much because some people ask me, why aren't Rome supporting you or why aren't anybody foreign supporting you? But the entire demographics, the entire situation has changed from four or five years ago, especially from 10 or 12 years ago. But there was a moment, and it was a strange moment, around 2008 to 2010, where we were in some Irish magazines like the Irish Times, and there were articles written about us, sort of like, you know, the biggest Irish band you've never heard of. Now, we don't get those articles written about us anymore. In fact, I don't even know if there is a print media that would honour such an article. And we have kind of totally slipped off the radar, as I think most subcultures have um, in terms of um, the uh, Irish sort of media or media landscape, which is almost entirely aimed at, um, I think, um, well, I'm to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure what it is aimed at. It certainly isn't aimed at a band like us who are now, I guess, seen as, and this is an interesting thing to behold when you're within the band and you and your crowd are all aging. You do wonder to yourself, ah, I wonder if we had our moment, had our To the Nameless Dead moment, which is 14 years ago when we were younger in our early 30s, when the crowd was younger, when, you know, let's say the band was, um, and I'm in parenthesis doing little rabbit ears here, you know, exciting and vibrant and youthful. And now that you are not, shall we say, in the first flush of youth, you've moved on to, could we call it classic rock? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not ready to be placed in the category of um, you are in your dotage, you are in your last few chapters. But certainly you can observe that the band and the appeal of the band has become, (laughs) has slightly changed. Or could that just be because um, a night out in Dublin um, has now become so expensive. Don't forget the Garth Brooks zombie army were also occupying the city. Uh, They could have laid siege to it, as I said. We just would have had to, well, we could have just jogged to outrun them. But where would we have run to? I'm not sure. Because um, they occupy, they occupy the Midlands. However, Anyway, the point being that um, just if you were a young person who maybe had bought a ticket, a young person, um, 
God damn it, how are you going to afford a night out in the city just to go to a gig? And therefore, gigs have kind of become the preserve of the middle-aged. Now, I think part of that is a social and a cultural thing and the phenomenon that I don't think young people are identifying with subcultures as they used to. And like I said before in the podcast, I don't think there's a rock band um, playing tonight, Tuesday night, that have like 600 young, excited people um, at a show, a band that are about to break out, you know, like a... Um, I don't know, an Amel and the Sniffers or a The Chats or something. I use them as they're probably the only examples that I know anymore of young guitar bands that seem to be making waves, even though both bands are probably still pretty way too big for my example as it stands. But you know what I mean. Even a local band who's exciting people. Um, so how are they going to identify with bands like Morning Beloved, Primordial and Death the Leveller, who let's, I would hate to combine, to calculate our combined age. And I wonder, shall I be complaining about this when in 10 years when we were even older? But maybe, um, as I said, you watch your crowd go older and you do see faces in the crowd and you go, God damn it, there's a face from 91 or 96 or 98. Um, and you've grown kind of older with your crowd and you do wonder, are we now considered over the hill? We've ceased to be something um, exciting or vibrant or energetic or um, something that youth, the youth identify with. This is very possible. Um, and it's a complicated thing to quantify without becoming somewhat nostalgic for your own youth, which made me think about the first times Primordial ever played um, gigs. We played our very first gig in September 1991, as I said, um, in the youth hall out in Skerries. And we mainly just played covers, Celtic Frost and Massacre and stuff like this. But the local um, Amateur Dramatic Society had all their stuff on the stage and wouldn't move it off. So we had to build the stage at the back of the hall. Um, and, you know, it was an odd an odd and funny experience. But three quarters of the same band were are still here now from those experiences. And our first gigs in 1992, where we used to play with Fifth Dominion and Septic Snails. Yes, indeed, Septic Snails, if someone remembers them. Um, amongst all these other bands, um, Crypt, who were the kind of precursor to Cruelcon. And we were all just young, young dudes, like 16, 17, 18 years old, playing on bar in the floor of bars, trying to navigate the sort of social contract of the time. Uh, sweaty, stinky, spotty young lads with greasy hair and, you know, death metal shirts and Morbid Angel shirts. And um, playing a mixture of covers, trying to make our demos, trying to get money together to pay the £60 you're required to make your demo in Electra Studios, um, which was how much it cost to go in for like three or four or five hours or whatever it was. And you're going to try and make your demo. We made our demo for £50 back in the day and trying to get that money together. Even then it was difficult. I know it sounds kind of crazy to people now that you couldn't get £50 between four of you together. But Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It was difficult and we saved up money from gigs. Oh my God, we made 26 pounds at a gig or whatever it was. Um, Really, as they say, the past is another country entirely but so many of us were just like these young excited exuberant dudes and those same people um, are often still around now whatever happened to that class of 92 as they say um, there's a football reference for you but so many of those people stuck around and stuck around with their bands and I look down and see Paul you know Kernsey as you might know if you know the Dublin scene doing the merch and he used to be the singer in Fifth Dominion and Mozambique and there's people that you just Oh, yeah, you've been around since 91, 92, 1990, 93. Um, and you wonder who is coming up to replace us. Um, or maybe I'm just out of the loop that I don't know anymore. But it reminded me of our first gigs. It reminded me of rushing around town in 1993, somewhere in early 1993. Um, could have been late 92. Late 92, I think we did a photo shoot wearing corpse paint. And then early 93, our first gigs might have been end of 92. I'm not sure. And trying to figure out, well, what would someone use to make course paint? Surely, um, I don't know. How do you talking to uh, my parents going, I think my mother going, well, what do you what should we use as like powder to make your face white, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, come on. You're 16, 17 years old and you're trying to figure it out. And that excitement that you felt about first playing a gig outside of Dublin, you got the um, bus down to Cork with your guitar in a bag Um, And it all kind of sounds very romantic and nostalgic. And I guess on some level it kind of is, kind of was. Um, And I'm not a man who does much truck with um, nostalgia or much looking back. I'm 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 not really into the conversations of, oh, how wasn't it, how great it was in 1993. Yeah, it was. But, you know, you got to still keep making new memories. You got to still keep moving forwards. You got to still keep doing new things. And it is hard to try and keep the band um, and the bands you're playing in, let's just say, relevant. But at the same time, there's a certain amount of anxiety that comes with a hometown gig because I think it's because you look out at the crowd and you see faces of people that you know and you know they're wondering, oh, I wonder can they still do it? Do they still sound vital? Do they still sound energetic? Are they still playing hard? Are they still playing with aggression? Are they still playing with energy? Um, and there's a terrible feeling that you have inside of um, the 
I'm not going to say that you don't want to disappoint people because it's not like you're only playing for the benefit of other people. But certainly there's an element of this still has to say to people that Primordial or whatever your band is, is still still has that ah, that X factor that, you know, has that thing um, under control that makes the band sound vital. You want to get the tone right. You want to get the appearance right. You want to do what you can to make everything, um, you know, do people come away from the gig going, yeah, yeah, they still have it. Um, like I said, it was an interesting observation to notice how few uh, migrants there were in the crowd. You know, previously, over the last 10, 15 years, the Dublin and the Irish scene has been swelled um, uh, by a great mixture of different people from all sorts of countries, whether it's from Poland whether it was people from South America, from Venezuela, from Colombia, from Chile, from Brazil. Um, I mean, before that, people coming from Sweden, you know, when the country had more money. Um, and the, the scene would always be, you know, kind of that bit more diverse, a um, bit more um, interesting by virtue of those things. But you have noticed that many of those people have gone home. Um, the pandemic literally sent them packing as the lockdown measures in Dublin and in Ireland were just so um, draconian that they thought, I'm going to have a better life in by returning um, back from where I came. And now, of course, Dublin City is too expensive to live in uh, for anyone wanting to just work a, a normal you know, kind of job um, and be able to afford to live in the city and just live. So um, there was a great percentage of the crowd were just kind of missing because I think it's because, um, and so we, it was kind of left to um, Irish people to flesh out the crowd, which is fine. But it was certainly noticeable, as I said, um, alongst, uh, alongside um, people aging. And it is a commentary on um, sometimes on shows, on gigs, less so for festivals, because people go to festivals sometimes like Vac and, and Summer Breeze and other, and other festivals, kind of like a spring break kind of thing. Um, young people and teenagers go there and um, kind of just to have fun and um, less so to see particular bands it would seem to me and that spring break sort of attitude um, doesn't cross over to gigs gigs can often be seen as something a bit more middle-aged and certainly if you step into the goth scene um, I'm, I'm not talking about the kind of new electronic scene like Boy Harsher and stuff like that and Soft Kill which attracts a younger crowd um, as all electronic music, music seems to do but the old goth scene um, hasn't been um, revitalized with festival culture like the metal scene at least on that basis and sort of somehow seems quite middle-aged and older sometimes and you need you need new blood you need young blood to come into the scene to revitalize it you know in a sort of vampiric kind of way well I might as well throw that cliche in there since we're talking about goth huh well and so, you know, you are, for someone who takes the moment out to always observe an audience, to observe um, gender percentages, to observe the age of people, to try and guess maybe where they come from, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm always very fascinated by the demographics of a crowd. And this last Saturday was no different to examine those things. I have to comment on... Um, this is a rather breathless Tuesday podcast, I guess. But um, I have to comment on the fucking greedy, greedy practice by Dublin venues of double booking. This has become a, a recent thing. And it's, I think it's the same in Northern Ireland and a lot of UK places where get the rock in, get the metal crowd in, and then they can fuck off by 10 o'clock. Uh, quarter past 10, your gig is over, out, because they need another crowd in. So basically they're getting two audiences in, double booking. 
Um, it doesn't matter if the dance crowd afterwards has 100 people or whatever. Um, it's just, it's now a common thing. So you don't get your night out anymore to see um, rock music or whatever you want to say. That traditional kind of night out on the tiles. Um, very often you could be back at home at half 10 if you've got the bus. Like you could have certainly got the bus from outside the primordial gig back to the suburbs and be tucked up in your lava, Irish for bed, um, by half 10, a quarter to 11, um, because we were finished at 10, 10 past 10. And what's rock and roll about that? Really nothing. But the problem is, of course, that rock and roll in a rock and roll club doesn't resonate, doesn't um, doesn't bring the punters in, doesn't make uh, local promoters want to take a risk and go, you know what, you DJ there away, it's fine, play your songs, people relax have a drink, have some more drinks, have some even more drinks and spend more money at the bar because certainly the middle-aged crowd, they drink in a way that um, a younger electronic crowd certainly don't, but that doesn't seem to make any difference. So I did have to point that out. I don't really like making social commentary from the stage, um, but I did have to point out the greed of the venue that we were playing in. I mean, and it is, it's nothing but that. But it's hardly surprising when you look around at the state of the city that we live in and the state of um, sort of rampant gentrification that is just sort of ripping the uh, cultural heart out of the city. However, someone pointed out to me that Imrama, the first primordial album, is 27 years old today. Actually, it's older, but it came out on September the 20th, 27 years ago. And so just um, somebody sending me that little picture today, I think it's on some uh, some Instagram site or something, um, it's been a nostalgic few days um, going back over memories of making that record. I think there is a podcast already about it. So I don't know if I need to go over those um, exact stories once again. But we recorded the album um, in 1994, in September, October 1994. And we made a bollocks of it, to be honest. We used a half inch reel tape, um, which is like little more than a cassette tape to record it. Hired two eight tracks, not even a 16 track. This is kind of like... Um, really, really um, primitive, um, primitive gear speak. Uh, two eight tracks, which are kind of like little more than the things you might have in a in a, um, a rehearsal room. Um, no outboard equipment, which means no effects units. We used a guitar effects unit for the vocals. We couldn't figure out how to drop in the vocals. The vocals are all done in one take. Drums in one take, everything kind of live in one take. Couldn't drop things in. And we did it in about six evenings um, when you put the whole thing in together. But the story of going to Academy Studios to remix it, because we sent it to the label and they were like, what the fuck is going on? You can't release this. And somewhere or other, someone has a tape of the original mix, which I must find and post on um, Spotify uh, for people to hear or post somewhere for people to hear because it is quite extraordinary. I don't think it's bad, bad, but you certainly couldn't release it as an album. And then when we told Cacophonous Records, um, it's on a half inch reel. Old Neil from Cacophonous. Neil, if you're listening, how are you? Um, but because um, I will at you, as they say. Um, and me and him had to hire a half inch reel machine and um, some Friday morning get the bus or the train from London up to Leeds to go to the old Academy Studios with this huge big flight case and walk around Leeds in our trench coats and our black leather pants and black metal shirts getting abuse from the locals carting this half or quarter inch 
half inch reel machine around the place, which then Academy looked at it and went, my God, what the fuck have you guys done? And had to transfer the reels, finding there were whole channels of analog channels of us just talking about things. Um, recordings of just like me turning bits of paper, all sorts of stuff. And Mags from Academy salvaged that album out of nowhere. Um, and that was maybe nine months later. That was maybe August or September 1995, possibly, perhaps. Um, no, I couldn't be. I'm mixing all of these things up. Let me think about this. Um, the album came out in 1995. So this fixing must have gone on in February 1995. Yeah, let's say January, February 1995 was recorded in September, October 1994, something like this anyway. And um, we all stayed in like what was basically a squat, like an empty building. And I just remember um, it was freezing cold. There were holes in the window. Um, there was like mud on all the beds, mud and clay on all the beds. We had no money. We had no instruments. Um, I don't know what the fuck we were doing. Um, literally had no money. I think Mags from Academy had to buy us like chip butties every day. Uh, I don't even know how we got back. I think we got the bus from Leeds, which took us on a ferry or something like this, because we certainly weren't flying back then. We had no money to do anything. And the whole album was just salvaged by Mags from Academy. And when it came out, we were... Um, we were playing gigs with Cy and I think on the second day of that tour it came out and we went down to it got delivered to some post office or something and that moment of opening the CD boxes to go holy fuck there's our first album we're sitting around in the Bradford Rios I think something like this I'm sure we were about to play to like 15 people in Bradford Rios and that feeling of just being like wow we actually made an album was quite incredible I think I've gone over this before in a podcast there might be a longer form podcast about um, making of Imrama, but it was quite, um, quite an incredible thing. And that feeling, I'm not sure you can still feel that thing because it was quite an innocent thing. Because right now I can sit here with this microphone in front of Garage Band, which is probably more technology than we made our album with in 1994, and I can upload it almost instantly. Um, you can make music in a very easy and simple way, but it certainly wasn't easy or simple back then. And it's really um, hard to not sound like I'm being kind of like, you know, um, all 1950s, you know, kind of working class um, school of hard knocks about it. But really, no one had any money. Uh, the idea of, like, as I said, getting 60 pounds together to record a demo is um, was, you know, oh, I made two pounds 30 last week. Uh, I got four pounds selling demos in the post or whatever it was or selling something. And you slowly had to kind of, you know, you had to have your, um, you know, money uh, per week, sort of like the band meeting as you would back then and go, well, we've got 31 pounds in the kitty and another 29 to go so we can make our demo. Well, well, sounds like I've been sidetracked by nostalgia, sidetracked by the nostalgia of the weekend. But I have to say the show was great. The show was, was really, really good. Um, it felt really um, just nice to be around after several years off of seeing some of those familiar faces to be reminded again of um, old friendships and old acquaintances and to um, see so many people come out to a, you know, what was a sold out show despite the, um, you know, the expanding bellies of the audience and the, um, the thinning hair and the aging crowd. Um, well, for some of us, anyway. My friends, Tuesday's rambling podcast is just me drowning in a mire of nostalgia. Oh, and loving those old Manowar reissues. 
Uh, Friday's podcast will be, I'm not sure what it'll be about. It'll be about something devastatingly serious and witty and have its um, up to the hilt with social commentary. Um, and we'll fill your boots. But today's Tuesday's heavy metal ramble is just a wistful look back at the past. And where did the time go? Indeed. The past, as they say, is another country, my friends. All right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.